Welcome back to another episode of the Sideline Sports Cast. Had a few weeks off, but we're back with episode number 34. Um, lots been happening in the last few weeks, Logan, but uh, we're going to talk about uh, bowling and not the traditional sense. But um, in addition to that, we have our normal NFL topics, including the 2022 Hall of Fame class semifinalists that were just recently announced. And then we're going to hit a bunch of buy and sell topics around the NFL. There's been lots of news, lots of stories, but before we get to all those and many more, Logan, why don't you tell the folks what we are drinking this evening? Yeah, we are back with a uh, Tampa Bay Brewing Company classic uh, called Moose Killer. Uh, This is American barley wine style ale. Uh, This is kind of one of their cult classic ones that they've had around for forever. Uh, It's supposed to be um, kind of a bitterness meets sweet caramel with a hint of booze. So I don't know that I've actually ever had this one, uh, but I do know this is one that they have uh, yearly. So let's crack these open and see how a barley wine goes. Yeah, let's go for it. Never had a barley wine style beer before, so I'm super interested. Yeah, kind of multi, kind of hoppy. Yeah, you know, it's malty, it's hoppy. Um, my instant criticism is I'm getting kind of like a medicinal aftertone to it. So <laughs> I don't know if I enjoy that, but um, it, I can drink it, right? I mean, that's the standard is can you drink it? And I can yeah. definitely drink it. Just uh, I'm not really knowing what I'm supposed to taste when it comes to the barley wine mm-hmm. label, um, but... I agree. It's hoppy. It's malty. Um, don't know if that's really barley wine, but Tampa Bay Brewing Company. It's better than average. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, what do you think? Uh, yeah, it's good. Um, it, it's definitely kind of a chewy beer. You can definitely, um, you know, I probably couldn't drink a whole bunch of these, but mm-hmm. you know, if you paired this with the right meal, I think it would go really well. Agreed. Well, before we jump into the uh, first topic, as always, we will ask our loyal listeners to interact and follow us on our social media accounts at both SidelineCasters on both Facebook and Twitter. The memes are in full swing um, as the news has come out the past few weeks, big stories in the NFL, and uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, I think with some news that broke today, aka Urban Meyer, the memes will only continue to uh, generate on that page, so... uh, Jump on over, uh, post your thoughts, post your memes, your gifts, whatever uh, you want to contribute in. As, as always, we appreciate the interaction. But uh, Logan, I'm just going to bring us right into our first topic. And it's that time of the year. It's time to go bowling. And no, I'm not talking about the 10, ten pins on the uh, wooden floor. I'm talking about college football bowl games. Uh, month of December, especially latter part of December, it's time for bowl games. And other than the uh, CFP Bowl games, which we'll discuss, I'm sure, in the weeks to come, sure uh, this month has several great matchups to keep college football fans more than happy. Some of the mentionable matchups are Penn State v. Arkansas, Kentucky v. Iowa, and then, of course, must be mentioned, special to us here, Florida and UCF in the Gasparilla Bowl. So, Logan, 42 bowl games in total. Which ones are you looking the most forward to? And as obligated, we're going to have to pick our alma mater's Alma maters here in this uh, Florida UCF game. Yeah, you know, December is a crazy month with, you know, just 
my work schedule with Christmas, getting everything ready, out of town, people coming in town. You know, so it's crazy. So it's hard to, to catch up on all 44 games. So when the bowl games come out, you know, I always look to uh, to one date because it's usually the date that I can kind of relax the most, maybe get a chance to watch some college football, and that's usually New Year's Day. So for me, it's kind of like the equivalent of uh, the NFL on Thanksgiving. So that's kind of how I relate to, to New Year's Day and college football. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, so when, I, when the list came out, that's kind of the first slot I focus on. And there was really one game that kind of popped out at me. And that's number five, Notre Dame, Fighting Irish versus the number nine, Oklahoma State Cowboys in the uh, State Farm uh, Bowl there. Uh, I think Notre Dame is favored by two and a half, so it should be a close game. You know, both these teams kind of had an outside chance at the college football playoff. Uh, you know, Notre Dame being the first team out and uh, Oklahoma State you know, being undefeated up until the Big 12 championship game where they lost to Baylor uh, the other week. So if you know if Georgia would have won in the SEC championship over Alabama, I figured that one or two of these teams were going to make it in there, and you know Notre Dame being the probably the first one in. But uh, you know things went different, and uh, now they're 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 going to face off in on New Year's Day. So um, you know we'll hop into UCF in Florida. You know are we going to pick against the Strad or straight up? You know what? It doesn't matter because UCF's going to win this game. I'm taking oh, my you, you, yep. You're crazy. Uh huh. You know, even after losing our number one string quarterback, you know, uh, Dylan Gabriel, in the beginning of the season, UCF ended up as a top 40 scoring team in the nation. Uh, we also run the ball really well, almost 200 yards a, a game. And if you look at Florida, you know, the number of teams in the SEC that finished worse than Florida this year. There was Vanderbilt, and that's it. That's the whole list. You know, the Gators look to be good at the beginning of the season when they played against Alabama. But, uh, you know, coming into November, Thanksgiving, they kind of bottomed out, and that team is not looking hot. Uh, you know, we got Anthony Richardson, who's dealing with that knee injury. He's, I guess, probably not going to play in the bowl game, which means you guys, I think, are going with uh, Emory Jones, who also declared, but he said he's going to play. You're also going to be without your top pass rushers, Zach Carter. He opted out. He's going to begin preparations for the draft. Uh, leading receiver, uh, Copeland. And uh, also the leading tackler. Uh, they've all entered the transfer portal. So, you know, that's going to be a little, thi- little thin. If the Gators aren't motivated to, win- to play this game, then they got to watch out because UCS going to going to want to win this game. So... Uh, I got two stats for you that I, I'm going to throw at you. Florida is 0-6 against the spread in the last six games and 0-5 against the spread in games that are favored in the last five. So they are favored, so I think I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll just start with that game. I don't care about the spread. I'm not picking against the spread. It's Florida UCF, right? And there's been fans around here that have been waiting for this game. Long time. Okay, one point. That's all I care about is one point and I do take into account all the things you said about plenty of players on the Florida side that won't be participating in the game. Um, but I am confident that the Gators, uh, do have something to play for in this game. And it's the same topic that we've discussed several times, which is this mounting pressure that UCF has been putting on the rest of the state of Florida, that they are somehow the juggernaut of the state, although they have not proven it. 
to date. National champions. Are you talking about the Gators' actual national championships that they've won? Or the fictional variety? So, no, I think that alone has players... You know, these players are... All these players on both teams, um, more so probably on the Florida side, are recruited by both the Gators and UCF. So you know that this is a storyline that's that's big. This was not. This was done on purpose, right? I mean, the for sure. This this was set up on purpose. I'm nervous. I'm yep. not gonna lie. I think UCF definitely has a chance to win, but um, I'm not gonna pick against my alma mater. You know, going six and six in the SEC is still different than going eight and eight and four in whatever you guys call that conference that you play in. Um, okay. <laughs> just giving you a hard time, but no, no, it's definitely scary. A lot of players entering the transfer portal, Emory Jones entering the transfer portal. So I don't even know who's playing quarterback. Um, he said he's Gators. Played. He's yeah. Played. Okay. Well, regardless, I'm still not, <laughs> I don't know if I'm happy about that anyway. Um, but I'm going to pick the Gators. Um, I don't think they're going to cover the spread. What is it right now? Like 10, I think was the last time 10, 10 and a half. Uh, I, I think I think I saw six and a half today. Okay, so it, they've adjusted it accordingly, but I, still, I think it's probably a three-point spread is, is probably uh, more reasonable for that game, just given the facts. But uh, moving on, you know, this is a great time to watch, you know, college football. I, these are probably the best master, matchups of the year outside the few games that we get during the regular season where we have top 25 teams matching off against one another. Um, but I agree with you 100%. We're, we're looking at, you know, the New York Six Bowl games. Ohio State, Utah, I think that's an interesting matchup. Notre mm-hmm. Dame, Oklahoma State, as you mentioned, is going to be a big powerhouse top 10 matchup. I'm even interested in Baylor, Ole Miss, you know, another top 10 matchup um, in the Sugar Bowl uh, on January 1st. I think that's going to be a great game as well. A lot at stake here for many conferences, right? We're seeing a lot of interconference matchups. Um, big 10 versus Pac 12 with Ohio State, Utah. Big 10 versus SEC in the Sugar Bowl. Um, those are almost even more bigger storylines than the games themselves because we've reached an era where it's all about which conference is superior. So if there's any day I'm going to be watching college football, it's going to be January 1st. Um, and then, like we said, we will definitely talk about you know the college football playoff games uh, as we get here closer to the end of the month. But th- th- that's what I'm looking forward to. It's going to be a great couple weeks here of college football. Yep. Love to catch games when I can, but yeah, you know. Yeah, it's tough. I agree. It's hard. So, well, seven first-year players are now eligible for the uh, the uh, NFL Hall of Fame. They are amongst the 26 modern-era semifinalists. The, the Pro Football Hall of Fame has issued for the class of 2022. The list of candidates for election to the Hall of Fame, which will occur early next year, includes 17 players who were semifinalists last year. Uh, modern era players making the cut to semifinalist round in their first year of eligibility include Anquan Bolden, Devin Hester, Andre Johnson, Robert Mathis, Stephen Smith, Demarcus Ware, Vince Wolfwork. Each player last played in 2016. The 26 semifinalists will be reduced again to the 15 finalists before the voting process. Brian, of the 26 semifinalists, who are your top five to make the Hall of Fame in 2022? Yeah, so there's a lot of big names on that list, and I think, you know, if we look at the entire list in its entirety, including the players that, um, you know, were not, that not it's not their first year, right? There's 
a few names from the past inductee semifinalists and then a couple from the first year eligible players that I'll name. So just looking at the list, um, one name really jumps out or yeah, one name for sure definitely jumps out and it's Patrick Willis. When I'm looking at the entire list, he was a dominant player for the 49ers. I think he's a shoe in, right? Just looking at this list. Um, so Patrick Willis, Zach Thomas, um, are my two players who have been nominated in the past that I think should be locks for the Hall of Fame this year. If we're talking about <clears throat> the newer players, I think Devin Hester and Andre Johnson are the clear cuts from the first name players. I mean, Devin Hester is still one of the top returners who have ever played the game. I think that Cordell Patterson is currently tied with him or had just recently passed Devin Hester for the most uh, kickoff returns for touchdowns in the history of the NFL. Um, we've talked about your uh, opinions on Devin Hester in the past. Yeah, he's just electric, right? He was electric to watch. I mean, he should have more, but people just, they wouldn't right. keep him. Right, exactly. So I think he... Um, makes it Andre Johnson. And then actually, I think out of the other first year players, I think Anquan Bolden, you know, he's one that, you know, maybe the stats aren't as high as some of the other players on the list, but he was a reliable, underrated, you know, number two receiver for most of his career. I don't think, you know, people put into perspective how valuable he was to many of the teams he's, he was on, including, you know, the uh, Cardinals when they made their Super Bowl run. And then later on when he was, you know, even older in his career and made, and made runs in, in Baltimore. So um, those are the names that jump out to me. A couple honorable mentions. Torrey Holt's been kind of shunned the last few years. I think he was a dominant wide receiver in his day. And then here's my Homer moment. Steve Tasker, man. He's been on this list for years, man. And, you know, in all honesty, it's hard to it's hard to vote in a special teams guy, especially when he was known more for his defensive prowess for special teams as opposed to a guy like Devin Hester who's making those electric touchdown runs. But um, I'd like to see him in. I mean, you go watch his highlight highlight reel of what he was able to do on kickoff return, punt returns. You know, it's it's nice to see a guy that plays maybe a limited role but does it at an elite level receive some recognition. I doubt he makes it in. I think he's going to continue to have to wait. It might be a, another couple of years, if if at all, if he ever makes it in. But I don't know. I'll make I'll make an argument for him. All right. Well, uh, you know, I'm going to start off with my number one guy, a guy I thought that was going to be on your list, and that I didn't hear you say. And that's Reggie Wayne. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I wanted to see him enshrined last season or last year with uh, Peyton. You know, just the two of them and the and the relationship they had and. I thought it would have been very ceremonious for them to to go in together, uh, but yeah, he didn't didn't get didn't get the votes, and you know we'll see. I think this year, I think he's pretty much a guarantee. Um, I'm gonna go number two. I'm gonna go Heinz Ward actually, uh, MVP in Super Bowl Forty, I believe. Um, I I think he's an underrated guy. He's one of those guys that he's got decent numbers. He's the twenty sixth, twenty seventh all time in receiving yards. 14th in receptions, tied for 16th in touchdowns. 
But what goes underrated in, in Heinz Ward's kind of repertoire is his blocking ability. He was one of the best blocking receivers in the NFL, you know, maybe ever. Uh, but I think that is a stat that doesn't get kind of computated into there. So I think he'll make a case. Um, I'm with you on Anquan Bolden, uh, 2003 Rookie of the Year. Um, Pro Bowls, I think he's got three of them. And he, the reason why I think, you know, I agree with you, his numbers probably don't support the Hall of Fame. But he had two key roles on two Super Bowl teams, including that Baltimore team in 2020, uh, 2002. So I think those moments kind of cement it for me that he is it in. I don't know if he makes it in this year, but I, I think that he should be in uh, overall. Uh, Vince Wilfork, he's a guy on my list. Defensive guys, you know, are hard to put into Hall of Fame, I think. But Vince was a, a staple of that New England offense over, you know, a decade. He won two Super Bowls with the Patriots, five Pro Bowls, two more AFC titles. This guy was a major reason why that defense was so good in New England for such a long time. So I like to see him get in. And then number five is Devin Hester. You know, we talked about it, him before. and Best returner of his era. You know, people didn't kick to him. His numbers should be greater. He led punt returns for scores three times, kickoffs twice. Electrifying player. When when you got to watch him and people actually kick to him, you kind of held your breath to see, like, is he going to go to the house this time? But that's I got. I mean, I got. I know I have three wide receivers on there, and I know all three of them won't be selected, but... I think yeah, but I mean, they're, it, it's so close. You know, yeah. it's. Uh, I would argue it's maybe not the most d- definite list of people. I mean, I feel like the last couple of years it was a lot easier to pick. You know. Oh, absolutely. The last the two class. Hall of Fame classes were so star-studded in like right. major Hall of Famers in terms of like you know top three in their position kind of thing. You know. Right. So we'll see what the committee does. Um, but you know, all these guys, obviously the short list of people, they're likely all going to make it at some point in their career. You know, some are going to have to wait longer than others, but I mean, you go through that list of 26 guys and you just pull up a highlight reel and you can see why they're even, even in the conversation. Right. So, um, well, Logan, we have, we've made it to December. It's been the theme of the podcast today, which means it's the time of the year in the NFL when overreactions turn into, well, just reactions. So let's run through some of these overreactions and let me know if you are buying or selling them, okay? So we'll start with the team that's played in the past two Super Bowls, the Kansas City Chiefs. The AFC is so wide open, and the Chiefs have won their sixth game in a row after stomping the, their division rival Raiders 48-9. to The Chiefs are only allowing an average of 10.8 points per game during their current win streak and have one game lead over the Chargers in the AFC West. Kansas City are nine and four, and they enter a three-way tie for the number one spot in the conference. Logan, are you buying or selling that at the end of the regular season the Chiefs will end up with the number one seed in the AFC? I totally buy in this. You know, we I talked about it a couple of weeks ago with my uh, saucy speculation. You know that Andy Reid's kind of record in December and coming off the bye week, they're kind of figuring things out right now. That offense is starting to look more akin to what they've been in past years. I know that they're playing a tough game with the Chargers on the road today. Uh, you know, they got the Steelers coming up, which is a winnable game. Cincinnati, it's a tough game, but winnable. 
Denver, they should they should win that game. Um, you know, Steve Spagnola, he's got that defense playing a lot better than how they were at the beginning of the season. So I think that this is totally a possibility. That you know that the Ravens they're having issues and, and they lost uh, Lamar last week with that ankle injury. You know, it doesn't seem to be too bad, but he's going to be limited. The Titans they're banged up just like everybody else. You know. Other than Kansas City, I think New England looks to be the best team in the AFC division right now. Uh, the Patriots have some really tough matchups, though. They got the Colts this week, who are an underrated team with JT and that tough defense. You know, their big challenge is, you know, again with you guys and the Bills next week, the week after that. Uh, and, and I'm going to put this out there the Dolphins, week 18. If Miami plays the way they should, now we'll see what happens because of COVID, but, you know, we're missing our whole offense. But if we can get past the Jets, we've got a chance to go eight games, match up with the Patriots on, you know, a big win streak, a team that we've historically played well. Miami's won the three of the last four matchups. So I'm just saying Miami on a big win streak, Patriots end of the season, maybe looking at conserving some players for the playoffs. I'm just saying that there's no lockup for the end of those, any of those teams. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Chiefs are, you know, in the number one seed at the end of the season. Yeah, no, I, I'm buying this. I, I think the Chiefs have shown that whatever they were going through earlier in the season was just kind of a slump. I mean, Patrick Mahomes um, and that offense has come out with, you know, with a record abandoning. And like you, like we said in the topic, you know, the, the defense is really – the thing that's that's stepped up, right? I mean, how how many weeks in a row are we, um, you know, kind of just saying, listen, Kansas City's defense is going to be their their kryptonite, and they've turned it around, only allowing ten point eight points per game. I think the Chiefs have the easiest remaining schedule. I mean, they're playing the Chargers tonight. That's not an easy game, but you know, over the course of the rest of the four games of the regular season, I think, like you mentioned, it's it's really them or New England. Um, I don't think Baltimore, if anything, Baltimore is going to slide. You know, and then the next team, I would still say, you know, Tennessee or Buffalo. You know, Buffalo still has a chance to close the gap. It just kind of depends on what happens with the rest of the, you know, Chiefs and Patriots schedule. Um, but I, I'm buying. I think the Chiefs are are turning it on when it matters. Um, I hate to see them, you know, getting hot going into the playoffs. I'd rather see them kind of, you know, cooling off. But I'm with you. I'm buying the Chiefs. If they keep playing the way they're playing, they're going to be tough to beat you know, again, in the playoffs this year, and they they might make it three years in a row to the Super Bowl. Yep, yep. Well, I'll throw this next one to you. Derek Carr is doing what he can to keep the Raiders in playoff, in the playoff race during a year which which pretty much everything has gone wrong. He's a solid NFL quarterback, having a strong season, but the Raiders are 6-7. and seven. They've lost five of the last six games. They're in must-win mode now, and a loss this week to the Browns could be an elimination for them the Raiders offseason is rife with uncertainty things are likely to be uh in transition there new coach possibly a new GM Carr has one year left on his contract it's a non-guaranteed 19.9 million dollar year for him but the Raiders are going to bring you know if they're going to bring him back they probably have to do an extension uh is Derek Carr playing his final moments with the Raiders yeah, you know, I, I 
we talked about this a few weeks ago with Derek, with Derek Carr, and I'm going to just say I'm buying that this is his last few months months with the team. You know, and it's unfortunate because there's there's been a lot that's happened to the Raiders this year, you know, with Gruden, with Ruggs, everything that's happened on that team. That's not his fault, right? It's certainly not Derek Carr's fault that they've, you know, kind of gone from a team that was, what, at the top of the AFC yep. seven weeks into the season um, that is now falling at a, you know, uh, blistering pace towards the bottom of the conference. And the problem is, and we the last time we talked about it, I was very critical of Carr being that they start seasons hot, it's happened in the past, and then they crumble. And we're in a win-now league. We're in a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. And it's not a fair league. Nobody are gonna, nobody's going to save Derek Carr because of the other external factors. So I think that the Raiders are really at a point where they're going to have to move on. It's, he's had many years with the Raiders, and there's been not really any great success to speak of. And the, like you mentioned, he's he's not cheap. So I think the Raiders are bringing in a new, whether they keep the coach that they have currently as the interim coach and he becomes the permanent coach, or if they hire a new head coach, I have a feeling that they're going to want to start from scratch. And it's not what Raiders fans want to hear, but would you think they're really that upset if they do lose Carr after the past six, seven years of him playing for them? I, I don't think they would be. Yeah, we'll see a new a new coach come in February, and you know I think that with all the drama that we'll see a new GM come in as well, probably. And, and when you're bringing in a new coach and a new GM, that usually signals it's rebuild time. So uh, to me, it's no slight to Derek Carr, but I think that the new regime is probably going to decide that they want to start over with a different quarterback. He's been very good for the Raiders this season, and really for most of his career, I think he's kind of been dogged on. He's had some good moments, but he's had bad. Uh, but I think that the Raiders know what the ceiling is for him. And it's not a question of, you know, can he, but more so do the new coach and GM want to pursue someone who has a higher potential upside. Um, I think that they could decide to extend Carr before the you know next season, before his contract. But I think if they do that, that means they know who they want as a new coach. And I think that it means that coach wants Carr. But I just I don't think that's gonna be the case. I think that they're still gonna be, you know, searching for a quarterback in the offseason. The quarterback market we've talked about before is gonna be crazy. Deshaun Watson, Rogers, Russell, all the names we mentioned before in previous weeks. But uh you know, those guys are gonna be out there, so it's going to be hard. I don't know any of those are, are I guess I think Russell may be interested in the Raiders, but, you know, it's it's going to be hard for him. It's possible because if they don't get one of those big guys, then Carr certainly would, you know, have appeal to stay in the team. He said he wants to stay in the team. He wants to finish in in the Raiders organization. But uh, I, I think that most likely they're going to have to move on from him this season. Yeah, I agree. I think the only saving grace he might have is if they do make squeak into the playoffs and maybe win a playoff game. Mm. That that might do it for him, but uh, that, that that's a tall order, mm. if you ask me. So uh, we'll move on to another team that might have some quarterback issues. So Logan, we've dogged the we've dogged Cleveland a lot in the second half of the season, but the Browns were the only team in the AFC North to win this past weekend. 
are now and are now in second place in the divi- division by virtue of a tiebreaker over the Bengals. With just four games left, the Browns are just one game behind the division-leading Ravens, who just who lost Lamar Jackson last week to an ankle injury. Browns have been resilient. They do not control their own division destiny, and if they want to win the division, they will need a Baltimore and Cincinnati uh, stumble. So, do you buy or sell that Cleveland will catch the Ravens and win the AFC North? Yeah, I'm not. Be- I'm not done beating up on the Browns. I'm going to sell this to have a chance. They realistically, by virtue of the tiebreaker, that would kind of. Get them packs coming out with COVID. Their whole team, uh, you know, is riddled with COVID injuries. Baker's out. Uh, Stefanski's out. You know, so now they're they're gonna go up against the Raiders this week. You know, and we just talked about how the Raiders have lost five of the last six. I think it's gonna be a closer game now, and maybe you know, maybe the Raiders win this one. But you know, for argument's sake, I'll say they win this one. The week after that, they got the Packers. That's an L. Steelers. As another game, the Steelers play really tough, you know. Trap game. Uh, I, I think that they could win this game. Uh, you know, it's an in-division game. You know, with in-division games, it's a rivalry game. They get kind of squirrely. You never really know. Things don't go the way they're scripted. But uh, I think the the real catcher is going to be that last game of the season versus the Bengals. It's another in-division matchup. But the Bengals, I think, are a, are a better team overall. And uh, I think that that will give them two and two. So by virtue of two and two down the stretch, you know, that's going to leave them at nine and eight. I won't go into details with the Bengals and the Ravens uh, schedules, but I think the Bengals will go two and one. Ravens will go one and two. That puts both of them uh, in, a, in a matchup situation where they play week 16. The winner of that game goes 10 and seven and the loser goes nine and eight. So, the Browns, by virtue of the tiebreaker, will take second place in the division. Whoever wins that match, six, match week sixteen matchup, I think ultimately goes on. And based on how things are going with the Bengals right now, I think that's probably going to be the Bengals uh, go to the Ravens right now. The Bengals end up winning that game. Yeah, no, I'm selling the Browns, and I'll, I'll be quick. I echo a lot of what you said. The only thing I will add is that we learned today Case Keenum is also po- tested positive, so oh, yeah. the Browns are, are yeah. down to their third string quarterback for this game against the Raiders. I think their season really comes down to this week. Uh, they need to squeak out a win against the Raiders, and I feel even less confident about their chances. With the third-string quarterback you know, playing in that game, it sounds to me like the game plan is probably going to be handed off to Nick Chubb as many times as possible and hope they uh, kind of... Or Hunt's doubtful. Right, so it's really it's going to be the Nick Chubb show, um, which, God forbid, he gets injured. <laughs> He's had trouble, so... Um, if they don't win this week, I'm really down on them. I still think that, like you said, the Bengals and the Ravens are probably still overall better teams. Um, they're both, of course, having their own issues, mainly Lamar Jackson being out. But I think Cleveland, especially with the COVID concerns, and it, it is possible, um, or I don't know, is, is it possible that Baker is back or is he completely ruled out for this game? Uh, no matter he, what, He's vaccinated, so he could... He could technically, right? Okay, so if he doesn't play and they lose, I think that they're they're probably less than a twenty five percent chance, you know, to win that division. They'd have to go three and one, and like you mentioned, that second week is against the Packers, and there's nothing that I see that says that they can even compete 
against the Packers at this point. So I'm selling on the Browns. It's probably going to be a Bengals-Ravens uh, show for the uh, NFC, uh, AFC North. Yep. Yep. Well, the Bills, Brian. Yep, hit me. With four games to play, are 7-6. and six. Not a phrase you or I thought we'd be saying, but they've lost three of their past four games, all to potential playoff teams. And while they still occupy the seventh spot in the AFC field, this is not the team we expect to be trying to scrape its way into the postseason. Buffalo was a preseason favorite to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl, and things have not gone that way. They've gone a little, little sideways. They now trail the, trail the Patriots by two games in the AFC East standings, which makes their December 26th matchup in Foxborough pretty much a must-win situation for the, for the Bills if they hope on hosting a playoff game. Would you, what would you say if I told you the Bills are going to miss the playoffs. Yeah, you know, I, I'd be surprised. Um, I, I will be the first to admit that they have not met expectations whatsoever this season. They, they have had uh, some tough losses. You know, the Tennessee loss was rough. This Tampa Bay loss was rough. But you know what? The teams oh, that... You're, you're went- forgetting one. The Jacksonville. Yeah, 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 yeah. I tried to forget that one. So, um you know, certainly they shouldn't be in this spot. Um, there's games they should have won. The teams that go on and win the Super Bowl are the teams that can win these close games. Um, but with that being said, three of the last four games are against teams that are under 500. They have the, the, the Panthers, the Jets, and the Falcons, um, which I think most experts, as well as us, would agree the Bills should probably win those three games. Um, they're 10, 10 and a half point favorite, I believe at this point against Carolina, um, this coming week, it's at home. They played great football in the second half of that Tampa. Some would say got kind of screwed with some calls late in the game, but you know, it is what it is. Um, so I would be surprised. I think they win at least three out of four and you know, the new England game is going to be very interesting because the first matchup on Monday night football was definitely impacted by the, that just awful weather that night. Uh, I don't know if New England's offense was hindered or was actually helped by that. I, I think they're a power football team, so they probably thrived on the running game. So it'll be interesting seeing a little bit n- more normal setting, whether the Bills can kind of take advantage of the Patriots like they did last year in their two matchups. So, you know, technically with a little bit of help, they still have a chance to win the division. Like you said, I think worst case scenario, they do secure a six or seven seed in the, in the wild card pretty easily, as long as they just don't fall apart and become a terrible football team over the last four weeks of the season. Yeah. Beginning of the season, I definitely would have said you're crazy. This, you know, this has been an easy sell, but now it's kind of like more of an uncomfortable, like, no, right. Right. <laughs> you know, kind of like we got caught red handed as a kid. You're like, no, that wasn't me. I didn't do that. Uh, you know, I think, I think there's a strong chance they can go three for four. Like you said, um, their non Patriots games are, are very winnable. So, but with the AFC, you know, wildcard race, it's so tight. There's, there's just no room for error. You know, there's four teams that kind of have seven wins right now. And uh, the teams that are currently below the Bills in the AFC picture, uh, the Steelers and the Colts, they have the tiebreaker over the Bills due to their head-to-head matchups. Right. So even one slip, any kind of Jacksonville-esque performance by the Bills, and they could very easily fall out of contention. So... 
Um, I I do think the Bills should win Patriots. I think I always thought all along that they would split games. Uh, And certainly the the weather, like you said, just led to it being a New England edge. Um, So I've got confidence the Bills will win, but it's just it's not as strong as it used to be. Um, no, of course not. And, and I want to get your take on this, but I don't know if you heard, but um, Allen was seen in a walking boot after the loss to the Bucks. Yeah, he has a strain. Um, as far as I can, you know, obviously that's what that they're saying. It's it's just a strain. He he, of course, has said, you know, if he can go, he can go. Um, he will go, and it's concerning. He finished that game. If there's one thing that was a bright spot in that game, it was the way that he played in that second half and just the heart that I love him for, right? The way that he plays the game. Mm. Uh, We talk about his durability and the injuries. Of course, you hate to see it, but I would be very surprised if he doesn't play in Carolina. I do think that there's, or against Carolina, I think there's going to be an amendment to the game plan where he's not going to be called for any quarterback runs, obviously. Um, but I, honestly, I don't think he should have to do that to beat Carolina. So walking boot, boot is a concern. I also think that that was probably a precaution and the best way that the medical staff is going to try to help him keep that foot as protected as possible this week. Um, he did do walkthroughs on Wednesday. Um, we'll see what he does in practice tomorrow on Friday, but I think ultimately he plays in this game on, uh, on Sunday. Um, because I just think that's the kind of guy he is, and he's going to tell the you know McDermott, listen, you you need to play me if we're going to make the playoffs this year. You have to play me. Um, yeah, unless his foot's broken, he's playing that game, right? And I don't think it is. I mean, I, I think at this point we would have known if it was right. So, right, um, you know, Derrick Henry, it was instant. It was the day of. So if it was broken, it would have been he would be shut down. They're not going to risk it, right? They're what seventy five million dollar quarterback. They're not going to risk it. You know, if this season has to go under because he's hurt, they're not going to risk it. But so I think at this point, it's probably safe to say he's going to play in that game. I think you're right. So um, that'll take us to our last buy and sell. You know, we haven't talked much about this guy because, you know, he's retired. But Philip Rivers, the greatest trash talker in the history of the game, to never swear, turned 40 last week. While it was speculated that Rivers could return this season, it was linked to several teams, nothing ever materialized, and Rivers looks to be solidly rooted in retirement. Rivers' total of 421 career touchdown passes ranks fifth in league history, and his streak of 240 straight starts is second behind only Brett Favre among quarterbacks. Rivers had 12 4,000-yard passing seasons and finished his career with 63,440 passing yards, the fifth most in NFL history. Logan, buy or sell, Philip Rivers is a Hall of Fame quarterback. He never played in the Super Bowl, and his team has a losing record in the playoffs at 5-7, and seven, including a loss to the Bills in the wild card round last year. But I absolutely 100% believe he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Just look at where he ranks in passing yards and passing touchdowns. The numbers are there. Uh, you know, since he became a full-time starter in 2016, Rivers has thrown for more yards than every quarterback but Drew Brees, and he's tossed more touchdown passes in in those starts than everyone except for Brees and Tom Brady. 
So the numbers are quite clear that he is a Hall of Fame level quarterback. But the thing about him are the intangibles. Rivers, you know, was one of the league's best passers at his peak. And, you know, his peak lasted for roughly a decade. Uh, so from 2008-2010, he led the league in yards per pass attempt uh, in those three seasons. The Chargers were kind of a shambolic team, uh, you know, but he elevated that franchise and made them better. The toughness is there, you know. He played in every game since 2006, despite you know having injuries, including I think he had an ACL injury in a playoff game. He didn't have a Super Bowl win, but where did it matter? You know, he he played. You know, I guess when you mattered, play matters. When you play, matters. Uh, you know, he played with. Guys like Brady, Breeze, Rodgers, and Manning. If he played in a different era, I think that he would have had his Super Bowl championship. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I'm buying that he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. The numbers that he put up were were just stupid, and um, he he the biggest point, and you mentioned it there at the end, was he played in an era where he was playing against Tom Brady and Peyton Manning in the AFC almost every year in the playoffs, right? If we look back at the Chargers team, they were stopped by the Patriots or the Colts slash Denver every time they made a postseason run, right? So to say that you're the third best quarterback in the AFC during a time where the best two quarterbacks were Brady and Manning, that's that's pretty uh, favorable company, in my opinion. So... um of course, you would like to have seen him go farther in the playoffs. Of course, you would like to have seen him win a Super Bowl or at least make it to a Super Bowl. But I think it's it's almost impossible to ignore the success that he had on the field, you know, over the course of the last twenty years, prim- you know, with the Chargers primarily, and and what he did for that team. I, I think he gets in pretty easily. Maybe not the first round, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer, but certainly within his first couple of years being eligible, I would say he's in. Mm-hmm. I, I think so. I think he's a first first ballot guy. Yeah. His numbers are, are there. Yeah. But I mean, you should be in just for the trash talking. Oh, yeah. I mean, great stuff. It's funny because, you know, I don't know if it's because I clicked on a, a story with him, but, uh, you know, I, I got all kinds of, of Philip Rivers ads and, and uh, you know, trash talk moments, mic'd up moments. Uh, and Oh, yeah. I, I got down the wormhole the other day. Those are just, they're so good. You know, for someone who doesn't swear, you know, he's, he's just great to listen to. Mm hmm. So. Well, by week 15 and past year, we had a pretty clear picture of the uh, head coach jobs that would be uh, open due to teams being eliminated for playoff contention. But in the age of 17 game regular season and more playoff spots, the NFL has exhibited slightly more practice or patience before starting the coaching carousel, as there are more chances for coaches on the hot seat to save their jobs. A, cu- a couple with the new dynamic, with the dynamic of the new of the. Yeah. Couple the new dynamic with a pandemic that affected the wallets of teams and the hiring and firing cycle could be slimmer than usual this year. But, you know, who are we kidding? It's NFL where changes are a formality and impatience is a way of life. Up until this week, there was only one job, the Raiders job. But as we learned today, there's now two. Uh, Urban Meyer's out in Jacksonville. Brian, with Urban Meyer gone, which coach has the hottest seat now? How many more coaches do you think will uh, be looking for new gigs next season? Yeah, so, you know, 
if we look at the you know the standings in the NFL right now, I, I think there's clearly you know the teams that are at the bottom that obviously their um, you know coaches are always on the hot seat. So I mean I I'm not gonna name every coach, but you know let's just you know name these teams here. You know Detroit. Yeah, the Jets, Houston, they all had newer coaches to begin with, so I don't know how many of them are going to be on the hot seat, but you're always on the hot seat when you can't win games, right? So, I mean, I'm just going to put all their coaches up right now as being on the hot seat, but if we're going to you know, pinpoint at least just one of these coaches um, that I think is really, really on the hot seat this year, it's going to surprise you, all right? Okay. I think it's Mike Tomlin because the Steelers are in a very weird position. Okay. Now I know they've only had three coaches in their entire history, right? Which is just ridiculous. But Pittsburgh was great last year, fell off hard. They're very mediocre this year. They think it's Big Ben, but then Big Ben plays really well and they still lose games. They're six, six, and one. They're last in that division. They're my highest ranked team that I think might say, you know, we've only had three coaches, but maybe it's time to start looking for the fourth guy. Now, I think ultimately he stays, but I think he should be feeling the pressure a little bit. This is the first year we've ever heard any reports about him maybe wanting to go somewhere else, right? He shut those down. Very, very quickly, and we we uh, uh, we praised him for the way he did it. But Pittsburgh doesn't really settle for 500 teams. They want more. They haven't really been to the promised land over the last five, six, seven years. I wouldn't say his seat is hot, but I think it's warming up. So that that would be my my number one pick, only because you look at all these other teams. They've either just hired coaches. You know, in the last couple of years, so they're not really expected to be winning yet. Or if we look like AFC, I mean, there's what nine teams that are above 500. So yeah. how can those teams be on you know in the hot seat? So I, that's just my two cents. And of course, you know, the firings that have already happened kind of <laughs> take our easy picks out of contention with you know the with uh, Gruden being fired or resigning, excuse me, and then uh, Urban Meyer, of course, would have been the number one choice if. Uh, the events didn't happen today. So, yeah. So I've come, I've come kind of full 360 on, on who I think is, has got the hottest seat. Uh, thanks to Urban Meyer being, being canned today. You know, I, I threw, I kind of thought it was uh bears head coach, Matt Nagy. I thought his seat was the hottest. And then the whole thing with urban, you know, kind of started heating up and, and then I, it was urban was on the hot seat. I always thought, you know, kind of like you said, the 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 Jets, you know, the Houston, the Jacksonville. I thought all those coaches they get at least one year. You know, you you got hired to a bad team. No one expected you to kind of make the playoffs this year. Uh, certainly, they wanted better outcomes than they got. But you know, I still think that all those guys are kind of they're safe for this year. You kind of get a you know a little bit of a pass. You know, but um. You know, Matt Nagy, he's he's a guy that he's kind of been mentioned all year as kind of someone whose seat's pretty warm. And I think it's almost a certainty now. You know, the Bears are four and nine. 
they seem to be getting worse. You know, even you know Matt Nagy, he was hired to be that offensively minded, play calling kind of guy. The Bears are, are tied for 27th in points per game. They rank second worst in the, in the league. Uh, you know, for former quarterback Marshall Trubisky struggled under Nagy, and this year he hired you know Andy Dalton, and that didn't work out. And now he's got rookie first rounders in Fields who. Has just had inconsistent results, you know. So I think they're they're he's the guy who's probably I'm certain to go. Um, I've got two other ones who I think uh, probably could go this season. You know, uh, the Giants. There's a lot of changes upcoming for them. There's gonna be a new uh, a new GM. I think I think Dave Gettleman. I think he's likely out at the end of the season. And when you bring a new G- GM, you get usually a new head coach too. And you start that whole rebuild like we mentioned earlier. Uh, so I think Joe judge, you know, he's a guy that's out probably. He fired Jason Garrett last month in an effort to kind of save his job. But that offense really hasn't improved. You know, they're averaging, you know, 17.8 points per game. Their defense isn't doing any better. They're ranked 26 in yards allowed. Uh, so I think that, that he's one that, that we could see. And, and the last mm-hmm. guy I think is uh, Mike Zimmer. Yeah, uh, with, with Minnesota, you know, double-digit wins in, in past seasons, uh, you know, but that that shine of that is kind of starting to wear off. He's he's a guy who gave the Lions their first win this season. You know, Minnesota they won against Pittsburgh last week, which maybe kind of saved his job a little bit because they're still in that playoff berth. But at six and seven, it's a team that you know. Unless they make the playoffs, I think that he's gone. They've got two tough games remaining with the Rams and the Packers, and then they got a pair against a pair of games against the Bears. Zimmer, he's known as a good, aggressive defensive coach, but the Vikings defense has just been a major disappointment. They rank 25th in points allowed, 29th in yards allowed. Uh, you know, in his eight seasons, Zimmer's only, you know had two playoff wins. So if they finish with a losing record, they miss the play the playoffs. Zimmer should be out and his tenure should be over in Minnesota. Yeah, I agree. So anyway, that'll take us to our picks. We you know we're uh we missed last week just due to schedules and stuff like that. So uh bring you up to speed. Week twelve, um I had a one point gain on you, but you were still up by one overall in the standings. So week 13, we only had one game in which we uh, we differed on, and that was the uh, Washington at Raiders. Vegas was favored by, by a point and a half, so really kind of a coin flip situation. Washington won that game with some last-minute heroics, so that gave you um, a point. Oh, actually, we had two. Sorry, we had the right, Pats and the Bills. Um, I took New England, you took Buffalo, of course, and, and we all know how that played out with the with the weather. New England covered the spread and uh, and won that game. So, uh, so we went even that week. So you're still up by one uh, going into last week. We had two games we differed on. We uh, Steelers at Vikings. I picked Minnesota. You picked Pittsburgh. Uh, another one of those kind of you know even though Minnesota was favored by three and a half, I think it's kind of a coin flip type situation. Uh, Minnesota was a home team. I picked them. They won. So uh, covered the spread. And then the other game is the uh, Ravens at Browns. Cleveland was favored by two and a half. You took Cleveland, <laughs> I took Baltimore, and uh, you know that. Yeah, was they only won by two. 
Yeah, you know, hey, they covered the spread. You know, if, yeah. I'll give you. I'll tell you this though: if Lamar would have been in there, oh yeah, it would have been all right. But they still covered the spread, so we'll go on. Um, I'll tell you what: though, we kicked ass in week fourteen. Um, you got ten right, I got twelve right. Uh, so essentially, uh, you know, we 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 destroyed our our picks that week. Uh, did really well. But that two-point win means that I am up by one going into this week. First lead of me for me for the season. Uh, going All into right. to week 15, we only actually differed on one pick, and that was the Bengals at Broncos. Coin flip situation, Denver's favored by a point and a half. I'm taking Cincinnati. You're taking Denver. We'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, and the reason why you took Denver just because of the home team? Well, they, yeah, and they've been biting me this year. I mean, I think they have an underrated defense, mm-hmm. really. That's what's keeping them in games. So um, it's in Denver, my hope being that their defense keeps playing the way they have been. And Cincinnati's hot and cold, right? I mean, they score a lot of points, but then the next week they'll kind of fall apart. So um, if everything goes the right way, I think Denver can win that game. Yep. Uh, a couple other notable games. The Patriots are actually underdogs to the Colts this week. Uh, Indy's yeah. favored by, by two for whatever reason, but, you know, Vegas mm-hmm. is the best. We both take, took New England uh, Cardinals and Lions. I really want to take the Lions. Uh, Arizona's got a 13.5-point spread. You know how I like those, but uh, it's the Lions. And every time I feel like I do this, it just kind of bites me in the ass. Right. So. Uh, Cowboys at Giants. Dallas is favored by ten and a half. Uh, mm-hmm. We both picked Dallas. Uh, we both picked Arizona, by the way, as well. Uh, another game that I I probably would change my mind on at this point if if uh, we hadn't already set our picks was Washington at the Eagles. Eagles are favored by five. Washington is a team that's got what eighteen to twenty players on the COVID list at this point. Right. Uh, it's going to be hard for them. Um. I know, but they've been weird. You know, they've been winning. Yeah, they've been with winning. a bunch of no-name guys anyway. So I mean, right? Keep it up, right? Division game too, so they'll be hyped. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saints at Packers, or sorry, sorry Buccaneers. Uh, Tampa Bay is favored by eleven. We're both taking the uh, the Bucks in this situation. So, uh, so yeah, we'll see. Maybe you can tie it up this week, or maybe I just uh, pull further ahead. So. That'll take us into our saucy speculation. You want to hit us off, or you want me to go first? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll hit it off, and I'll be brief because I'm sure that we're going to talk about this more next week since it just broke today. But my saucy speculation is that with all the information that's coming out about Urban Meyer and his firing from Jacksonville, I think that enough's going to come out, and he's had enough controversy this year that he's even ruined his possibility of landing an elite college football coaching job at this point. I think you're onto something. I, I think that's definitely the case. Um, I do think that more and more is going to come out. Um, the Josh Lambeau story just is killing me today. I've been following that pretty closely. Jeez. Uh, it's you know if you check out our Facebook page, I have a, a little thing on there. But uh, you know, it reminds me of like a five year old playground spat. Like where, uh, yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. You know, after uh, Urban Urban kicks him for you know warm ups. I don't know. It's just a uh, Weird situation. So absolutely, but, yeah. I'm sure there'll be more to come out on that. I'm sure we'll have more memes to come on the page. So uh, make sure you check us out on the Facebook and uh, Twitter page. So uh, my speculation is going to be that even though Jonathan Taylor runs for over 150 yards and the Colts intercept Mac Jones twice, they still lose to the Patriots. Yeah, um, I can see Patriots, that happening. 
Patriots are 19th in the NFL against the run. They give up about 115 yards per game. JT is is you know the leading rusher in the league. You know he's I think he'll he'll hit his. Um, Mac Jones, he's only got eight picks to go with his six touchdown or 16 touchdowns. Sorry, uh, you know, but three of them came against the New Orleans in the early games. Uh, so really, he's been pretty efficient. But uh, I just feel like the Patriots. Uh, you know, kind of due to have a game where he kind of slips up. That Colts defense is pretty underrated. So uh, if they have to get into some throwing situations, I think that maybe there'll be some mistakes there. I think I do think it's going to be a close game. Uh, the reason why I think that the uh, Patriots still win this is I think that Carson Wentz is also going to give up two interceptions. Uh, the Bucks, great defense as well. Very aggressive, very versatile in that front four. Uh, they disguise, you know, their block, their uh, their packages pretty well. Uh, block the vision downfield, and uh, you know, if if one thing Bill Belichick does really well is takes away your best weapon. Usually, it's a wide receiver. Uh, it's a little bit harder to do with a running back, but I still think he's going to try to limit Jonathan Taylor, or Jonathan Taylor. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Taylor, um, and. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I, I think the this game is gonna be pretty close. I think this this is a, a game that the Patriots could lose, but probably won't. So, and Agreed. then us into our this day in sports. On this day in sports in 2019, Drew Brees breaks Peyton Manning's NFL uh, record for passing touchdowns. Uh, the Saints beat the Colts 34 to seven. Brees was 29 of 30 for 307 yards, four touchdowns. A ninety-six point seven percent completion pass percentage. Uh, you know, of course, that set, that record has since uh, moved on to Tom Brady with him continuing the league, and Tom is up to six hundred and seventeen touchdown passes. So, yeah, seven hundred if you count the postseason, which is just crazy, right? <sighs> so, well, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back next week with all new Silent Sportscast, and don't forget to check us out on our socials. At Silent Casters on both Facebook and Twitter. Give us your best Urban Meyer meme. See you next week.